Welcome to the DGR Podcast. I'm your host, David Gray. Hello everyone, David here. Welcome back to the DGR Podcast. Hope you're all doing well. This is episode number... I always have to check this. I should always have this written down. 47. Uh, I have had three guests in a row. So back to solo one today. Um, Our three guests were... Harry Simington uh greg hawthorne and angus bradley so three very good guests um solo potty today i'm going to answer a few questions um i'm going to answer one kind of business e question um slash kind of lifey question and then a couple of other ones so one is asking about like adductor and groin issues and then one is asking about basically if someone is just like very very stiff struggles to shift um what would you do with that person so yeah let's get straight into it i may as well start with that one then so if you see someone that's super stiff um and can't shift their hips what would you do and then that's the question mark and then it's like the it just goes cross connects and lateral work question mark so um i suppose it comes down to your assessment so if someone is very very stiff and can't shift shift like laterally so get the, get their hips to shift or their pelvis to shift laterally in the frontal plane so side to side but also like hip shifts like you see in lower body basics like uh, scissor slides and then knee rolls and stuff like that where it's kind of shifting back into one hip and then kind of pushing forward in the other hip so that's the issue with the word shift i think is that it kind of describes two different things you could just think of a pure frontal plane shift and then also this kind of the the re i suppose the real use of the word hip shift is like it involves a frontal plane shift but also like a so like it shifts if you're shifting one hip back and one hip forward you should also be shifting in a frontal plane over on top of the side that should be shifting back if that makes sense so that's the problem with the word shift um so when i read your question shift i'm going to presume that you mean kind of like I'm shifting over onto one side, but also shifting back into that hip as well, which would be like adduction and internal rotation. And to be honest, someone who can't shift into either side, so they can't do that, which I think you're kind of saying, you're not just saying one side, you're saying they can't shift at all. So they probably can't shift into either side, which is pretty common, to be honest, if you have your eyes open and actually know how to assess movement. So they can't do that. Then they can't shift out of either side either so like they can't they do struggle to adduct and internally rotate but they also struggle to abduct and externally rotate so they're just and 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 that is actually in your question because you're just saying they're super stiff so what they're what they're lacking is actually just ir and er for the most part and ir and adduction and er and abduction and ir adduction and extension and er abduction and flexion so that's what they're lacking they're just super stiff and they can't shift so would you the question is like would you go into cross connects and lateral work and stuff like that um i i I would definitely have that on the horizon where you're teaching them to go side to side a little bit and shift but for the most part what you need to think about when someone is that stiff really really stiff can't shift in any direction so everything just goes down the middle. They just walk down the middle. They probably turn both femurs out a little bit. Uh, if you lay them on the table, especially at least, you would see both feet like turned out to 10 to 2. So 
they would have looked like they have like a lot of ER in the system. Now, when they walk, their feet might not actually be turned out. They could be turned straight. But if you looked at maybe the femur, you might see a lot of ER there at the femur. Um, and then they're getting some kind of IR twist through the shin or something like that um, to to get the feet to point straight forward. So now, in fairness, what I would say is a lot of people, when they lie down on the table, they will ER a little bit. They will have their feet pointing out a little bit. And it's not necessarily a perfectly true representation of what they would do if they're standing up, because when they lie on the table, you are going to... There is, a, there is a force against the back of their body, which can be kind of compressing them back there a little bit, and then they have to turn things out a little bit. So that's not a perfect representation. But when you see someone who just completely turns out everything like way out, then that is telling you something. Also, if you see someone that turns in a lot, that is also telling you something. Where they're turning into is where there is space. So like they're just moving away from where they're they don't have space and moving into where they do have space. So if someone is super super stiff, they will not be able to like you're you're seeing you check them on the table no ER no IR. Like doing hip shift and lateral work isn't going to isn't going to do anything. They just are only really able to move in the sagittal plane and what you start to see is they are just moving in the sagittal plane but you're getting them to move sideways so they're really extended probably not necessarily they could also be um like when i say extended or really compressed posteriorly they could also be very compressed anteriorly and it's likely that this person that you're describing is compressed both so anterior and posterior they're just compressed so what you'll see with them is like getting them to move sideways. They do use the exact strategy in their, 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 if you ask them to do frontal plane type of drills, they just use the exact same strategy as they're using, except it looks like they're moving sideways. So that's all. So you're not actually going to get any shifting out of them. So what I suggest is treating them as one person, which you need to treat them as one person to begin with. So hopefully when clients come into you, you can treat them as two people. They have two sides of their body, a left side and a right side. That goes for their eyes, their ears, their um, their nose, their, they have two nostrils, um, their teeth, like you have two sides there with different sensory input coming in on either side. Um, you have two arms, you have two legs, you have two diaphragms, you have two pelvic floors, all of that stuff. So you can split people into two. You're not expecting this someone to be symmetrical on both sides, but you hopefully, but hopefully they have access to being two people and not one person. This person that you're describing is not two people because to be two people, you have to be able to shift into one side, which also means I can shift out of the other side. And then vice versa, I need to be able to shift out of that side and into the other side. Now I'm two people. If you lie someone down, they have no internal rotation and no adduction. And equally, they have no ER and no abduction. Then they can't get into either side or get out of either side. Because to get out of a side, you have to be able to get into there first. So you need to treat them as one person. And if you start to give them front plane drills where they're shifting side to side and stuff like that and hip shifts and stuff, it can, it can work. It can work. But... You need to, you probably need to more often than not, you need to treat them as one person. What I mean by, by that is you need to get things pumping, just moving and pumping as one person first before you can split them into two people. 
And I just said what I mean by that. And then I didn't explain it. So what I mean by get things pumping is I would start with the rib cage and I would say, can you get both sides of your ribs to internally rotate? So like, can I get an exhale and get both sides of my ribs at the front, the lower ribs down there around the infrasternal angle? Um, all of that stuff there that actually has a good bit of movement available to it. Can I get that to internally rotate on the exhale and then open up a little bit on the inhale? Okay. Um, maybe not open up too much on the inhale. I might want other places to open up, but firstly, they don't move there. There is no, they're not dynamic in that area whatsoever. There is no ability for them to move there at the moment. And that is represented throughout their whole body. To be honest, if they're just super stiff person, they can't move um and anywhere to be honest i bet you it's just like their movement is just everything goes down the middle they're orientating everything if you if you do medicine ball throws with them they'll just turn like a fridge left and right rather than kind of close off one side and open up the other side the easiest way to see that is to ask someone to stand up in their bare feet and do a rotation so just hands by your side rotate left rotate rotate right and you'll just see like you'll just see the feet kind of peel off the floor as they do it. They'll just completely invert and evert their feet and um, everything will turn as one big chunk and they'll probably use a lot of their, they'll probably turn using their lumbar spine a ton. So, um, and, and their thoracic spine, they'll also probably want to lift their arms up in the air and like use their arms to twist themselves around like this high threshold strategy, which like that should be a big clue in itself that, you can't rotate because I'm asking you to rotate just in a relaxed way. Just turn your body and you're using like a, a max voluntary contraction to uh, of your erectors to try and pull yourself around. So these people, they have no ability to rotate. They have no ability to separate themselves on both sides. So I would, that's, those are the people that do need to start with the breathing stuff. Not need to, but will benefit and will progress much quicker if they start with the breathing stuff. I don't use a ton of breathing work with people. I use a bit. Um, most people get like one or two breathing drills to begin with, uh, maybe, maybe, or else it's just like, um, a move, a movement, a more dynamic movement where the breathing is paired with it. But I will say for these people, if you can get their ribs pumping as one person first, everything will work a bit better and, and progress a bit smoother. So what you need to do with these people is both sides of the rib cage, get it to move. Don't worry about left versus right. Just get the ribs to move further away from each other and then closer to each other. That is the absolute key with these people. You are just right. You've written down they're super stiff. They can't shift. So they also likely can't squat. And it's very, they also likely can't toe touch or at least move their spine nicely to get down there. They might get a lot of length through their hamstrings to get down there, but they won't flex their spine or else they will flex their spine, but they won't shift into their hips or, or shift their hips posteriorly at all. That's another shift that you could use, which makes it even more confusing. So, um, so get them, get them moving. And then maybe they need more expansion posteriorly. Maybe they need it anteriorly. If they're just stiff everywhere, they need it A to P. So they need both sides, but it, it would depend on your assessment. If they're, if they have zero IR and a little bit of ER, I would still probably get my ER back first, to be honest. I would get that, that, um, posterior thorax to open up a little bit. If they have, if they have, um, a good bit of ER and no IR, then I would, get them to expand anteriorly in the chest a bit more. Um, but you're saying they're super stiff, so they have nothing. They have neither. Um, 
Now, maybe you're not measuring them on the table and coming out to that conclusion, but you're looking at them, how they move. And that is the same thing, to be honest. You can come to that conclusion there. They have neither, they have nothing of anything. They they just go straight down the middle. They walk like, you know, like a, a power lifter um, who needs to be stiff. But if you're saying you want to get them back shifting and doing all this stuff, then that that is what we would do. So start with one person, get them, teach them how to breathe, teach them how to relax actually first, teach them how to inhale smoothly, teach them how to exhale. Um, I won't say forcefully, but completely. Um, and then teach them then how to keep the lower ribs maybe closed a bit more. No, actually, first of all, just teach them a full breath cycle with a pause, a smooth inhale. Um, a pause and then a complete exit. So teach them that. Don't even worry about keeping anything closed. Then when you've done that, um, give them that for a little while or maybe in the same session or maybe a week later or something like that. Teach them how to keep the lower ribs a bit more closed on the after the exhale. And then as the inhale, it will be forced to go, the air will be forced to go in A to P, so anterior and posterior expansion, presuming you have them in a decent position. But the one thing I would say about the position is it actually doesn't matter that much with these people because they don't go through a full, complete, smooth breath cycle anyway, because if they did, they wouldn't be that stiff. So they definitely don't do that. So the position actually doesn't even matter as much in the beginning, because just by going through that breath cycle, they will get expansion where they haven't got it before. So the great thing about working with someone who's really, really stiff is... There's so much low-hanging fruit. Just teach them a nice breath, a, a good breath cycle will open up a lot of things for them. If you're smart and all this stuff and you know your you know your movement, you know, you understand gravity, you understand the movement of the guts, then you can put them in a better position. But honestly, I wouldn't even worry about it. Um so after that, then if you need to start to think about shifting and getting someone to s- split one of these people from one person into two people, then so you, you've 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 found one person who can't move at all, to be honest, really, really stiff. Then you've got this one person to start pumping again. So exhale, inhale, exhale, get smaller, inhale, get bigger. Um, that's you're get you're getting them to start pumping again. You just you just came home after six months and that water pump has been switched off and you just switched it back on again and now everything is flowing again there is flow there is rhythm starting to come back into their body so you've just switched on that pump again now what you need to do is switch is is get the get them pumping left to right so what you might think about doing then is splitting them into two so that means when you exhale i want the left side of the ribcage to close off again close off and now the right side of the ribcage to open up and vice versa depending on your your asymmetries usually you'll think about like okay i want to get the left side front of the ribcage to close a bit more and then the right side and all that to open a bit more okay so you're now splitting them actually into two people again and this is where we can start to get some obliques if you look at the orientation of the obliques look at the obliques look at the muscle fibers you'll see them running in that obviously oblique direction, a lot of transverse plane, frontal plane fibers. So when we start to get the ribs to move in that way, they're going to pull on the pelvis as well. And and we will usually start to get some access back into adduction and internal rotation. So when you've done that, then so that that's where your reaches come in really well. 
uh, or really nicely where I'm reaching one hand forward or reaching the other hand forward or reaching one with a supinated hand, one with a pronated hand, um, or I'm using a cable machine to press and using my right hand reach to rotate me over into the left hip or I'm using a right hand reach to so I can pull myself back into my right hip so there's more relative motion between the scap and the ribcage on that right side. So you have all these reaches and rolling things, arm bars, stuff like that, that are biasing expansion on one side and compression on the other side. So that's where you start to split them into two. When you can teach them how to do how to do that, then you might need to, or, or then you might be able to actually get someone to shift their hips and stuff like that. Um, so scissor sides can come a lot sooner than that, to be honest, because they're very constrained and you're going to encourage this pure hip shift, but, uh, definitely in standing, you don't want to put them into standing too soon. It's not that it's dangerous or it's not, it's not a bad thing or anything like that. But if you want to be very, very successful, people would argue with me on that. Definitely. Like, and you could also see me working with a client and I might put them up into a standing position day one. So this isn't an algorithm. It's just a way to think about it. And so basically the answer to your question is don't start a super stiff, per stiff person in cross connects and all that stuff, side to side stuff, especially not in standing, get them pumping first, teach them how to exhale and inhale, choose a good position. If you can then split them into two people where they're reaching on one arm or the other, and they're actually exhaling at one side of the ribs close and the other side to open then start to teach them like shifting exercises or rolling exercises um, on the floor. And then you can get them up into standing and maybe teach them that as well, where you might want to drive it. You might want to drive it from the top down with these people by virtue of like having a, a cable or a band that they have to press because that's going to help them keep their thorax back a little bit more. Um, so I don't really love the lateral side to side shifts where you do the elbow to the knee. I use them. We just recorded some with Chris the other day, but I actually said in the video, Chris is really only good at and, and able to do this now because first he, for the last six months or year, he worked on a lot of the hinge stuff to open up his post posterior capsule, his glute max, all that stuff. So he because that was so tight when he did a, a cross connect, like, okay, I'm standing, my feet are wide or away from each other. I'm abducted out. I'm going to shift over to that right side and touch my left elbow off my right knee or, or get it close. He just, he just like rounded his spine or he had to squat down or he was kind of shifting forward and not, or his knee was going out. He wasn't adducting or anything like that because he just didn't have space in the posterior capsule for, for his hip to actually open up on that side. And we could do that cross connect for probably two years and he wouldn't get that much better at it. He would get his elbow to his knee by virtue of finding all different ways to do it, but he wouldn't open up that posterior capsule because it just didn't have the space to do it. So I needed to teach him the hinge stuff first. And that's what you might need to do with these people as well. If they just continue to be really tight, you've, you've got the ribs pumping and stuff. You might need a lot of load for them with that, with, um, with a kickstand hinge or something like that. And for someone like that, it would be nice to maybe have a medicine ball in their hands. I put up a video that on my Instagram the other day where they're in the kickstand hinge, they're holding the medicine ball. The medicine ball is like allowing their shoulder blades to protract a little bit and then they can breathe in that position. That will open them up a lot more then. And in that kickstand hinge, they're 
they are adducted and a little bit internally rotated there already because um, you're by virtue of putting one leg forward and one leg back. So you might start to think with these people, okay, I'm not going to shift laterally too much side to side. I'm going to do like things like split squats and kickstand hinges and um, staggered stance, like staggered stance presses and reaches with cables and stuff like that. Just putting one foot forward and one foot back or one foot on a box um, or one foot on like a one inch step or something like that, that gives them their frontal plane back. So if I stand up, and I just put my right foot, one foot in front of my left foot on train tracks, and I step my right foot up onto a one-inch block or a one-inch book, then my pelvis is automatically just uh, hiked up a little bit on the right side, which means my ribs have automatically compressed down a little bit on the right side. Now I have a lateral flexion of my spine to the right. I'm a little bit more adducted on the right side as I let my knee come forward. So that's that's a good example of how to get someone to adduct and shift over onto one side without this big lateral, I'm going to shift side to side type of thing. Okay. So to recap your answer there, get things pumping number one. So teach them how to exhale and inhale with a massive focus on getting the ribs to open and close. From there, get them to exhale, keep the lower ribs closed, get them to inhale so that the expansion has to go somewhere else. You have to be careful that you don't overly compress them where you get when you get them to actually exhale and hold the lower ribs down a little bit. That's presuming they, they this is someone that needs it. There's plenty of ways to be stiff and not need this. So that's just presuming someone needs that. Um, but you don't want to overly compress them by getting them to like really brace to hold the lower ribs down. So coaching that is a is a I was going to say a bit of a skill. It's a big skill. Um, then you want to split them into two. So you start to give them like a reach or something like that, um, where they're closing one side of the ribs and keep and opening the other side with the breath. Then like rolling, and then you can go shifting, like hip shifts, 1990 knee rolls, um, scissor slides, all that stuff. In lower body basics, people I get messages all the time from people who say they're very mobile. And they message me and say, I just, I just tried the 1990 knee rolls. I literally cannot move one inch. And I always say, make my answer is always get better at the breathing stuff and practice the sideline scissor slides for a little bit longer. Don't even worry about the knee rolls because what they'll do is they'll end up just orientating their pelvis from side to side, using their lumbar spine a lot, um, rather than actually shifting down into one hip and up in, up out of the other hip. So I, I, I'm almost certain with my answer when people message me that, that they need to get better at the breathing stuff first because they just can't pump. They can't alternate. They can't reciprocate, reciprocate at all. So, um, so yeah, that's when you can start to shift them a bit better. And then in standing, to be honest, if they're still, if they're still tight, I have a sneeze coming. Hang on. Do I? It's tickling me. No, going to go. Okay, I think it's gone. Um, oh no, I think it's gone. Okay, we're okay. Um, so then front to back stance stuff. So front to back stance stuff is great for them because now you're actually teaching them how to adduct a little bit onto one leg and abduct on the other leg. What you need to be careful there with is you don't you they don't use an ER strategy to do that throughout. So you will see someone doing a kickstand hinge, for example, and let's say I'm trying to stand on the right leg and hinge on the right leg. If you look at the left, if you stand behind him, look at the left leg, 
the left knee is turned out. So they're ER'd massively on the left side. And that will turn the pelvis to the left as well. And now they're ER'd on the left side and they're ER'd on the right side. And they'll take a wider stance. So they'll stand with their feet wider away from each other. So they're still finding a way not to adduct onto either side. They're just keeping the pelvis somewhere in the middle so that they can actually ER on both sides. So that's... um Something to watch out for. Same in your split squats. That's something to not watch out for. You want to get that pelvis kind of rotated a little bit over that stance leg. So you're actually teaching adduction and internal rotation on that front leg. Okay. Um, and then did I have something else? Then you could, then you can start going to the lateral cross connect and all that stuff. Um, but when you get to that stage, to be honest, you might not even need the lateral cross connect because they're opening up so much movement in the other way, in the other stuff that the lateral stuff you could you can you can use it but it's not it's not it, it's just difficult to coach and difficult for them to do well um in for for a lot of people to be honest and this might might not be very good at it and you could just if, just milk out the other stuff and get make your gains for as long as you can there and then what you could do is go into the yielding isometric or sorry yielding um plyometric movements where they're really really relaxed and they're getting nice and springy and that will get a lot of arm swing um so longer ground contacts yielding yielding ground contacts where they're sinking into it that will open up a lot of tissue then as well so that's what i would recommend with someone who's really stiff don't think about getting them and, and that's what you'll see all the time if you look all over instagram uh coaches snc coaches the the, the post these days is the most neglected thing in the gym is frontal plane movements. And you look at what they're doing, they're doing lateral lunges and they're doing lateral cross connects and um, lateral, like where you, where you do a lateral movement and then you like squat down into a box on that side or something like that. And if you look at it, it's just all ER on both sides. So all they're doing is just doing a back squat, but basically moving sideways. They're just still moving only really I don't even like to say only in the sagittal plane because that doesn't exist, but they're still finding a way to never adduct and internally rotate onto the side that they're trying to move over onto. They're still ERing everything. So it just looks the same as when they do a back squat or a deadlift or something like that. It's just that they have their legs wider. So I wouldn't call that like frontal plane. I would call frontal plane where I'm actually adducted and internally rotated on one side and abducted and externally rotated on the other. Compressed on one side of the ribs expanded on the other um that's that's what you're looking for there guys quick break from the show just wanted to tell you a little bit about upper body basics if you haven't done it if you've done lower body basics which obviously you should have then you should have done upper body basics as well um if you're interested in the breathing stuff there's a next section in the beginning which basically just coaches there to breathe really really well with pretty much zero tension in your body there's then there's kind of two phases where we progress on. So the first phase is a lot of like getting the scap to glide over the rib cage, getting the ribs to expand in different directions, learning how to reach, things like that. And then the second phase is like adding a little bit of load to some of that stuff, training triceps and biceps in ways that still promote expansion, getting the ribs to move. Um, so if you're someone who has upper body like tightness, niggles, anything like that, spine, rib cage, definitely do it. And then obviously if you're a coach or a therapist as well, same thing most coaching therapists have niggles as well but um you, you should do it and then there's like i don't know something like 60 exercises um and you'll see kind of a rough idea of how i progress my upper body clients so check the link in the show notes for upper body basics and we're back to the show 
Right. And then the second question, the kind of businessy one, I'll try and tackle this a little bit, but I will probably struggle, but let's see how we go. So any thoughts on the recession and what it mean might mean for online and in-person business? Um, I'm not a, an economist, macro or microeconomist. I also probably wouldn't listen to economists because um, I'm not sure they know what they're talking about either. Um, and it's impossible to predict things. But I, so I suppose I can just, I'll just kind of talk about our business and my view on that. And I have a lot of different thoughts swimming around in my head. So I'm not, I don't even have like any coherent thoughts necessarily. So feel free to turn it off, but <laughs> um, <laughs> feel free to just flick on to um, Tim Ferriss or someone like that. But um, I also do think it's really important to learn about money and stuff like that, because that's obviously how the world works. And if you said that to me like four, five, six years ago, I would have, I would have just like ignored you, shut off completely. But I've completely done a one eighty on that, and I think it's so important to learn all that stuff um, as much as you can and actually be clued in. Because even when we started our own business, I was like, okay, we'll try and make as much money as we can. And then I was like, oh, hang on, there's all these things called taxes and like all this, all this like red tape around owning a business and VAT and all this shit that you just don't have a clue about. And how much wages should I take? How much should I set up a pension? Should I um, keep, keep cash in the bank? Should I invest it? Should I do a million other things? Um, I need to hire an accountant. I need to do like all this stuff. So like that is massive. So like there's, there's two parts of it, which is like money, you're generate um you're trying to generate money and then you're trying to preserve it um so like you need to be probably good at both of those things um in business or in life i suppose to be honest so personal finance and business finance they're both like i think the principles cross over no matter who you are or what you do so i think it's important for us all to try and understand that and that's all i'm trying my best with so with the recession i think like so what did, what did they say? Like a recession lasts on average between 10 and 18 months. I think the American stock market like had a massive dip in maybe February of this year. Um, Europe usually, or actually like the stock market goes down usually, then real estate follows along with that. Um, and Europe like kind of follows along maybe with the, with the states, but maybe the war maybe like things happen because of Europe this time around more so than the other way around. So um I I I don't know to be honest. Um a lot of it is fear based. I think like so you'll hear you'll even see a lot of the Instagram coaches are curious trying to ring me there. You see a lot of the Instagram coaches on um business coaches talking in the fitness industry talking about recession proof your business and all that. But when you look at them like they they haven't been they haven't been through a recession where they were actually in business. They're too young to have been through a recession. I haven't been through a recession, so I don't know. But a lot of it is fear-based where like you can't just presume that no one has any money anymore, even if they just even if they're saying that. A lot of people haven't lost jobs or anything like that. Now, maybe we haven't hit the bottom yet or anything like it, but a lot of people still won't lose their jobs. There will be still a, still a lot of money there. There will be st still a lot of demand. But people are afraid because even we were thinking about like maybe trying to buy a house or something like that. And then recently we're like, mm, maybe we should hold off for now because we don't know what's going to happen. So our financial situation hasn't changed, but maybe our thoughts and uh, feelings around money and the uncertainty 
has changed. So what you what you will see is that more and more people will view they already do view working on their own pain and their own body as like recreational spending. So people don't typically invest in that. People won't go to the dentist, me included. Like you'll be like, you're, you'll have the worst pain in your tooth. It'll be in bits. It'll be falling out of your head. And you'll be like, I can't afford to do that right now. I don't have the time or the money, even though it's like your body, it's your tooth. It's the most important thing and it's bugging you and you'll still put it off and off and off. And so I think um, like the uncertainty around people's uh, careers or their jobs or their money will accelerate that. Um, so you will probably see some gyms and some clinics in person, brick and mortar uh, places closing. But whether whether maybe that's already happened in COVID, maybe a lot of those people who weren't doing a good job got squeezed out already. I don't know. Maybe more will more, more will drop. But that's where you maybe need to think about separate in person from online because what you'll see is okay, people don't have the the money. Uh, they're not making enough money to because the 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 cost of energy right now, especially in Europe, gyms are it's so expensive for, for them to run, especially in the winter, that maybe maybe they'll just close down. If they lose some members, energy prices go up so much. Um, they're really struggling, people aren't willing to to pay for their coaching or whatever. Maybe they'll start to close. And what you might see then is more and more coaches and therapists just moving into the online space because. It doesn't cost much much money to put up a one page website and build an Instagram account. Now that's happening anyway, where like more and more people are moving into the online space anyway, but maybe that just accelerates it. I don't know. I suppose with our business, like what could we do? What are the things that we could control? We could bring down the prices of our products, of our services. Um, but then where do you stop? It's like, is it like a race to the bottom? So no is the answer for us. We don't really compete on price. Like we compete on value. So I think our products are more valuable than any other products on the market. I know some people will laugh at me or hate me for saying that, but I do. I think that our programs, like they've helped more people than most other programs out there. Um, They help more, a lot more people than most like 10 sessions in a physio. Mm, a lot lower body basics has helped. I would wager it would help. No. Not the physios listen to this because they are excellent physios, but you have to understand that like the average physio around the world is the industry is a mess. Like it's an absolute mess. They're they're it's absolutely dog shit. So like you have to understand that. So I'm not saying I'm not grouping everyone together, but like I think that for 50 quid with lower body basics, you could it will help much more people than most physios in the world. Even if you gave them a hundred sessions with someone, they still wouldn't be any stronger or move any better because they just always just do, only do manual therapy even though that could be helpful as well but um so like we don't compete on price there we compete on value now everyone will probably start competing on price and bring down prices of everything more and more um but i don't think we're going to do that so that's i i think like i can just i think and i've spoken about this before we just put our eggs in the basket of doing the best job possible. And I think there'll always be a market for people who get results, no matter what. There's not everyone in the world isn't going to lose their jobs. Lots of people are going to have money to spend and are going to want to spend it on coaching and rehab and all of that stuff. That is without a doubt. Don't let don't let the fear based people saying like, oh, the world is going to end and all that stuff. 
uh, don't let them get in on you or don't let them start to think, okay, I need to drop my prices or like this person really needs eight sessions, but maybe they're afraid of the recession. I'm going to only going to tell them they need four sessions. No, you need to tell someone what they actually need and here's how I'm going to help you. And here's the price. And you need to be con- ha- like, have your conviction about that. And don't, um, don't get sucked into that feeling that no one has any money just because that's what the media is talking about. So they do. So, um, so I'm not going to overthink this. And I think our strategy has always just been be the best you can be, be in that top 1% of coaches and therapists in the world, get results with people. And there will be no shortage of people that are willing to pay you money and refer their friends and all of that. So like, I don't know if that answers your question. I'd like it to be more specific, but any thoughts on the recession of what it might mean for online or in-person business? I think it might mean you might see some brick and mortar businesses close, but then maybe they've already closed with COVID. You might see prices coming down for people. Um, You'll definitely see people that like, you'll definitely be forced to actually have to get results with people because maybe, maybe when people were, may, when things are good, someone might be willing to sign up with you for 10 sessions and say, yeah, like I'm going to try another session, I'm going to try another session. Now, like if, the, if you're not getting results with people, they're going to be like, I am not like, I'm not continuing to pay for this service because it's not helping me. Whereas before their tolerance to, to, to that would have been much greater. So I think you're going to see, um, people struggle, people being much more protective of their money because they're afraid, not because they have less money, but because they're afraid. Um, and you're going to see lots of business coaches talking about a recession proofing your business. Um, and the other thing is like cash flow. So I suppose when times are not as good, cash flow is important. If you look at like, if you look at like the biggest, the biggest and the best companies in the world, like people like Apple, let's say they have, they don't pay their, um, so if they get an invoice from one of the companies that does something for them, so they build parts for Apple phones or something like that. I, I think Apple like have, they don't pay their, um, their creditors for, um, it's definitely not 60 days. It could be 90 days. It could be longer. It could be 180 days or something like that. So like they have all this stuff in and they have the product sold and then they're selling it. So that's why they are the most cash rich company in the world, um, in the history of the world. So cash flow is so important. And that, that principle still applies to smaller businesses as well as someone like Apple. So you do not want to be the person that is running out of cash. And that's what happened in Ireland with, um, that's what happened with so many businesses in the recession in 2008. Like if you look at the, uh, like builders, um, they were, they were putting off paying people and, basically one guy was pushing off a payment the next guy was pushing off the payment the next guy was pushing off the payment um so like it it just ended up then with one guy at the end who didn't get paid from anyone and he got he got screwed like so people were just pushing it back pushing it back pushing it back and in the end it turned out like actually they didn't have any money to pay to pay a lot of the invoices a lot of these places went bust so cash flow is really important so you would you should like again look at the bigger companies like apple and um Facebook, I think are laying off like 25% of their workforce, all of that stuff. So like that is going to have massive ripple effects all over the world. Um, But you should look at your cash flow and say, where am I spending money on things that I don't need to spend money on? Now that does lead to people actually talking about like, okay, should I, 
should I cut back on my marketing spend and something like that? For us, I think we're going to up our marketing spend, like double our marketing spend maybe and push a bit harder because I think this is a time to, when other people are maybe, I don't want to say when other people are struggling or anything like that. It's actually not even about that. I just think like, while like momentum is important, so we're just going to try and push ahead and really try and get ourselves to the forefront of the industry as much as we can and try and spread as much value as we can and help as many people as we can. And I think it would be a mistake to maybe cut back on like marketing or anything we're doing there just because you don't see an immediate return on on that marketing all of the time. So like you don't, you don't like, you don't, yeah, when you sponsor ads and stuff like that, yeah, some ads you can tell the exact return on it because I sponsored an ad on a program and you can measure, okay, there, here's how many people bought the program. But if you're if you're just sponsoring ads, which are like boosting posts for engagement or like to get new followers and stuff like that, you're not going to see an immediate return on that. And so a lot, I suppose a lot of people, if they were struggling for cash flow, they would turn off them types of ads. But that is a short-term view on things. And... I can understand taking that short-term view if you're really struggling for cash flow, but at the moment, our business hasn't changed um, and hopefully it won't, but maybe it will. So I would say my advice to myself more than anyone else is like, just keep pushing ahead, do what you're doing, focus on quality, focus on being the best in the industry or in like that top 1% and there'll always be a market for that. So whether that was, whether that was, that answer was helpful for anyone or not, I have no idea, but maybe, maybe let me know or not. I don't know. Um, so, so yeah, that's, um, that's my answer on that. Then the other question was about adductor and groin issues. I'm probably not going to answer that right now. I would say like, you, you see a lot of people talking about adductor and groin issues and and specialists and um, experts on that stuff. And they do check a lot of like groin bar, like groin squeezes, groin strength, all of that stuff. And I think that's really important. But the first thing you should check and look at is like, can they actually adduct and can they abduct? Really important. Um, really, really important. Can they adduct? Can they abduct? Adduct meaning can they get in on that leg? Abduct meaning can they get out off that leg? All right. So um, that's the first thing. And then you look at Copenhagen planks and stuff like that. And yes, they are like if you do an eccentric, you're abducting and then you're going to push down into the bench and uh, you're going to be adducting back to the start again. But you never actually get into adduction, really. You just get back into a neutral position and then you abduct as you lower yourself away. And then you, you're adducting as you pull back in, but you never actually adduct. You never, you never adduct, and what that's what you can see with a lot of these people who do Copenhagen planks and get like they get they get really strong there, and then you check them on the table. Okay, you're really strong there, but can you? No messing, like yes or no is the answer. Can you adduct? And the answer, like a lot of the time, is no. And can you abduct? So a lot of the time, you will see a lot of right groin issues. And actually, yeah, they can adduct, but they can't abduct at all. On the right groin, they cannot abduct. They cannot push off that side. That right groin, the pelvis turns to the right a lot. It's rotated there. They have no internal rotation on the left side. They're getting like impingy and blocked in on that right side. Um, They're turning in there all of the time. The amount of right groin issues I have seen clean up by just um getting that pelvis to open up back onto the left side 
and open up that groin, working on like planting that right foot and reaching and turning the pelvis over to the left, uh, pronating that right foot, learning to abduct away, uh, doing a hit, doing a lot of hip lock work on the right side, working on frontal plane pelvis, um, all of that stuff. The the amount of groin issues that you see clean up so quickly, incredibly quickly, almost impossibly quickly, too quickly, uh, by doing that stuff and. That makes you wonder then why, like, why we're focusing so much on strength all of the time, even though I do a lot of strength work as well, obviously. But like, is it, is it that it's a length tension relationship thing or is it an inhibition thing? The fact that they test weak in a grind bar or something like that, they test really weak there because they're not just not in a good position to actually do work there. They can't actually add up because of the position of the pelvis and the femur. Is that what's going on? And when we clean up this stuff and the pain goes away, do they just have more um, propensity and the nervous system is happier to just build and push and build a lot of tension there? And I think the answer is probably somewhere in between where, yeah, they, these people need to be a bit stronger, but also there's a hell of a lot else going else going on and working on adduction and abduction cleanly and frontal plane pelvis, hip lock all of that stuff, looking at old ankle injuries to make sure that they can um, actually attack the ground a little bit rather than just sinking, sinking into that deep dorsiflexion and hip flexion all of the time. Um, are they so locked up in their rib cage that like their rotation, they, they just can't actually rotate. They're just pulling on tissues all of the time rather than getting any relative motion and spreading it out. So if you look at like someone with osteitis pubis or maybe it's not even called that anymore, like just athletic groin or anterior hip issues, look at the rib cage. It's often so stiff that they can't rotate whatsoever. The whole pelvis, like they just turn like a fridge and, and, um, is it any wonder then that things just don't feel so good? So, um, that's what I would say. I said, I wasn't going to answer that question. <laughs> now I just like ramble away on it, but, um, but yeah, I hope, um, hope that's helpful business one, whatever, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. It just probably needs to be more specific, but it's worth thinking about like money wise and stuff like that. Um, I'm trying to learn as much of that as I can read about that, listen to podcasts, all that stuff. Cause I think it's important. And um, who knows how long this type of job will last or like how long I would actually like to do it for. I don't know, maybe forever, maybe not. So I'm trying to learn and have all my stuff in place that if I wanted to retire at 45 or 50 years of age or 40 years of age or something like that or change career or something, maybe we're in a good position to do so. So, um, so yeah, financial independence is something that I'm working towards uh not to like necessarily go and buy lamborghinis and all that all of that stuff but to um just have a happy comfortable life and be able to provide for my family a little better so i think hopefully that should resonate uh with everyone else listening and if it doesn't resonate with you maybe you should think about um why that is and maybe that's something to think more about and educate yourself on because we certainly don't well i certainly didn't get educated on any of that stuff in school and it obviously is one of the most important things in your life, even if you think it's not, it is, it is, um, because if you're a little bit more comfortable with your finances, I think, then your relationships are probably going to be a little bit better. You can stress probably won't build up as much, all of that stuff. So, um, it's not that it's, it's not that money is the 
money buys happiness or anything like that or fix money what was the quote i heard before money doesn't fix all your problems but it certainly fixes all your money problems and i think <laughs> that's a good way of looking at it. and a lot of us do have money problems and if they were fixed then you could focus on a lot of other things in life so um so uh yeah i think that's why looking at the recession and not the recession just looking at financial stuff is important for coaches and therapists in the industry as well so um yeah i'm off to do my first jujitsu class hopefully coach chris will be proud of me and um hopefully i will not humiliate myself and i've also roped in my friend to come with me because i don't want to get into a wrestling match with someone else on my first day there because i'd like to just ease myself in and like just learn the skills and stuff like that and i know the second someone like gets competitive with me i will not be able to help myself but to try and win and just like forget everything i've ever been told or that coach told me and just like just do everything in my power to win so i really don't want to get into that uh that type of battle because that has been my entire sporting life just been like i'm gonna win this no matter how doesn't matter how i'm gonna try and win so hopefully jujitsu can be different but i don't hold out much hope for myself to be honest so we'll see i'll let you know um so yeah apart from that um hope you're good hope you had a good week i'll talk to you guys next week and um let me know if you enjoyed the podcast and all the rest and uh talk to you guys soon